hello and welcome to the Wickham Baptist Church podcast. I'm Tom and I've got Paul here with me. Hi, Paul. Hello. So over the month of August, um, we are dealing with some big questions on the podcast. About a week ago, we sent out uh, a survey asking people uh, if they wanted particular questions addressed, perhaps in a a seminar. uh, And and a number of people have got back to us. And so Paul is going to be running... uh, a few seminars during the summer period. They're going to be on Wednesday afternoons. The first one will be on the 12th of August on the subject of the Trinity, a huge subject uh, that Paul will deal with hopefully in a concise amount of time. So big challenge there. Uh, uh, But there were so many subjects recommended that we couldn't fit them all into um, those seminars. Uh, So we're dealing with some of them uh, on the podcast. We're going to deal with the first one today. How do we disagree well with people, people who we uh, have differences with, maybe theological uh, differences and things like that. And we'll treat a few other subjects on the podcast over the summer, maybe uh, what is fasting and, and, and how should we fast? How does God's law and grace work together? Uh, how do we rationalize them in the Bible? Um, someone asked, I'm not a big reader and Christianity seems to be really big on reading, reading the Bible reading loads of other books. Can you help? Can you suggest anything? Well, we're hoping to treat those questions and maybe some others uh, during the summer on the podcast. And uh, there'll also be seminars with Paul on Wednesdays. If you'd like to sign up for the seminar on the Trinity on the 12th of August, uh, get in touch uh, with me. Uh, The uh, details for that will be in the uh, show notes for this podcast in the description below. So that's everything we need to say. Today, Paul, we are dealing with this big question, how do we disagree well with people? And I've got a question to start us off. The Bible talks about a lot about loving people, loving people with the love of Christ. And it also talks about truth and holding on to truth. How on earth do we hold those two things together when somebody is disagreeing with what we hold to be true? Okay, thanks, Tom. Um... I think generally speaking, when we look at the Bible, those two great things you've just spoken about are are right there at the heart of everything that the Bible says. So in the New Testament, for example, Paul talks about the importance of love. If we don't love one another, then then, then our, our whole testimony and everything that we talk about as Christians is false. And at the same time, Paul really takes the gloves off when he's fighting for the truth. So in 1 Corinthians 13, it's all about love and how important love is. And if we don't have love, then, then we're, we're uh, like a, a, a noise that, that is just very annoying, a clanging symbol. But then in Galatians 1 and 2, he, he is fighting against false teachers who are uh, endangering the life of the Christian church at Gal- the Galatians. And he really is not pulling his punches at all. It's interesting when you look at the um, at the book of Revelation and the letters to the churches. The first one, the most well-known, the letter to Ephesus, is a church that was really strong on truth. As far as truth was concerned, they were right up there. They tested the apostles who were not apostles, false teachers, and they wouldn't have anything to do with them. They actually detested uh, false teachers. Uh, and Jesus says, that's good because so do I. And yet, Paul, uh, and yet Jesus says to that church, you've lost your first love. This is such a serious business. If you don't put it right, you've got no future. You turn on to the end of the chapter and you've got the church at Thyatira. Now, Thyatira is great on love. He actually says, I know your deeds and your love and your faith and your service. 
you're, you're persevering in those things and they're greater than they were as, at first. So you're the opposite of, of, of Ephesus. Your love is growing. But he says, I've got this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel. Jezebel's a false teacher. And your problem is you tolerate her. So it seems to me that in the mind of Jesus and in the mind of his apostles, there's no conflict between love and truth. If you love someone, you'll tell them the truth, but you'll do it in a loving way. Now, that shouldn't surprise us because what are we doing there? We're reflecting the character of God. God is love. God is truth. And truth is always a healthy thing. And the loving thing is always to bring people into the truth. But you can concentrate on the truth so much at the detriment of love that then you become hard and harsh and judgmental. So that in everything we talk about, we have to be marked out by love and truth. That's the kind of church I want to belong to. That's the kind of church I want we can Baptist to be, a church that is strong on love and strong on truth because we are following Jesus. Thanks, Paul. That's um, helpful. We're going to unpack that a little bit later on, I think, in, in more detail. But I've come across this idea of primary, secondary and tertiary issues. Um, how does that help us in this area of disagreeing with each other? Okay, um, when we talk about issues, we can talk about two types of issue, I suppose, although they kind of run into one another. One is doctrine or truth, what we believe, and the other is practice or ethics, how we behave. And those two things are, are vital. So what do we believe? What is the foundation of our faith? What's the foundation of our, our doctrine? And the other is how do we live in the light of that? How do we run our lives? What do we think about marriage, for example, and about um, purity and about truth and so on? Um, I came across um, a way of thinking about this a few years ago that, that I've always found really helpful. You know that if you go to casualty, um, you have an accident, you go to casualty, um, they adopt what is sometimes described as the triage method, method, which means that they kind of assess you and then you put, they put you in one of three different categories. Category one is that this is a very serious accident. You need to see a doctor straight away and they kind of wheel you to the head of the queue and maybe you need immediate attention. Maybe you need the paddles to get your heart started again or whatever. That's one. Second uh, level is this is serious enough to see a doctor, but it's not so serious that you've got to see a doctor straight away. So you can wait there for a couple of hours. Within two hours, you will see a doctor. You'll get immediate attention. You may be um, admitted to hospital, but, but you know, you, you're not, it's not so critical that you need to see someone straight away. And then category three is, well, you've simply got a splinter in your finger or you've just got a nosebleed. Go home, take an aspirin, go and see your GP tomorrow. This is not very important at all. Now, it seems to me that we can divide truth and ethics into those three categories. Category one are non-negotiable things. They're the things that are central to the gospel and the outworking of the gospel in our lives. And I think it's pretty clear that they're the sort of things that we have within our statements of faith. So we're part of the FIC and we adopt the FIC statement of faith. And there's a list of about six or seven things there that are fundamental truths to do with the authority of scripture, to do with the nature of God and the Trinity and the nature of us as human beings, uh, the nature of who Jesus is, uh, what he did on the cross, his return, his, his virgin birth, his deity, his death, his resurrection, his return. And so th those are fundamental 
theological issues and there are things that flow from that so so if we take the bible seriously there are ethical issues some of them contain for example in the ten commandments so to do with the sanctity of life and the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of truth and so on those are if you like level one crucial things you lose those things and you're going to be in trouble very quickly as a church or as an individual those are level one and the triage we go down to level three for a moment you've got something slightly different there you've got things where christians um, disagree and and have differences of opinion and where within the same fellowship uh, even within the same friendship group you've got very very different opinions of, of a whole range of things so take for example as far as doctrines concerned um, there are a whole range of different interpretations of the book of revelation and the second coming of christ there are some christians who are convinced that christ will come before a millennium others after a millennium some of them during a millennium and so on and, and there's a whole range of different ways of interpreting the book of revelation and in doctrine there are areas where christians um, can agree to to differ as far as morality is concerned and the application of the gospel when again there's a whole range of things where people have different points of view so for example some christians are quite strongly teetotal others say you know i'm okay with 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 alcohol in 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 um you know with a reasonable amount and, and a whole range of things now those third tertiary areas will exist within the same fellowship so at Whitcomb, we would have a range of beliefs on on tertiary issues and a range of practices now what do we do on a sunday some christians would would have certain sets of principles others others different ones and in those areas we disagree but we do it in an agreeable way and then you've got that middle ground these are things where we have strong convictions and those convictions are so strong that that they're the kind of things that define us as a church and as a group and a body of christians and a body of believers but they're not primary they're not gospel issues but equally they're not secondary we don't dismiss them and those are the kind of things if i can put it this way which you see um, between different groups so so I'll give you a very simple example um, i work very very closely with ian lewis of um, st bart's an anglican church uh, within the gospel partnership i think as far as primary issues we're on the same page i think as far as tertiary issues um, i don't know a number of things that ian believes but i'm guessing that if we were to sit down long enough we'd find a number of areas that we would have difference of opinion over and and that would be quite straightforward but then in those middle areas that's why there is a difference for example between Whitcomb and st bart's so on certain areas let me give a couple of examples baptism we are a baptist church we believe in uh, believers baptism or credo baptism whereas ian would believe in um, peter baptism uh, but baptism of, of infants and on those areas there's a matter of definition there's a matter of difference we don't we don't argue about it we don't fall out about it but that's why i'm a baptist and he's an anglican take the view uh, take the the, the, the idea of uh, of the independency of the local church i believe that each in each church is independent that's the way the bible explains what the church should be and each church makes its own decisions and each per church appoints its own leaders whereas ian is episcopalian so he is under the authority of a bishop and uh, and and uh, in a in a network of churches an anglican network now now is that a gospel issue no it's not does it mean that he and i i 
um, are not believers. No, no, we, we, we're great mates and we get on really well, but it defines churches. And I think in those areas, we have to be very clear in what we think. It's not tertiary. It's not, well, it doesn't really matter. It does matter, but it's not a gospel issue. Um, and so in that way, it's easy to kind of put different doctrines, different practices at different levels. Now, now there's not a great deal of, um, or a, a great deal of agreement, but, but actually in some areas, there are gray areas where, where for example, if I was in America, I might be in a church where to believe in the pre-millennial return of Christ would be essential for me to be part of that church. I would put that in a tertiary area. So churches in America, it's, it's primary and so on. But, but that's an easier way, I think, or an easy way of, 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 of understanding the way in which different doctrines and practices uh, fall out. That's helpful in terms of yeah, dividing off those gospel issues, those things that actually disagreements there are really, really important from um, perhaps those tertiary things where disagreement is totally fine and, 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 and almost natural. Um, uh, I've also come across these phrases, moral decisions, and wisdom decisions. What, what's a moral decision? What's a wisdom decision? And how, how does that help us out, Paul? Well, when it comes to making decisions in our lives, you know, we're faced with decisions all the time, um, constantly. And some of them are small and some of them are big. Um, how do we make decisions? Well, almost everything we need to decide as far as uh, our lives are concerned is laid out for us in the Bible. So there are decisions that are moral decisions that are either right or wrong. So, for example, um, when I'm over at the, the co-op across the road and uh, I, I take a fancy to a, a nice tin of, of um, mushy peas, you can't beat a nice tin of mushy peas, can't you? And uh, I look in my pocket and I forgot to take any money with me. So I, I, there's no one looking. I slip it inside my pocket and I go away without paying for it. Well, that's, that's, that's wrong. It's a moral decision. I made a decision which was against scripture which was clearly against not just the Ten Commandments, but the teaching of the New Testament. That's a moral decision. And a lot of the decisions that we make in our lives are moral decisions. Do I tell the truth in this situation? What's well, a moral decision? Moral decisions are decisions that are clearly right or wrong, according to the Bible. But then wisdom decisions are decisions on the basis of, given these different alternatives, I could go this way or I could go this way, and when I make that decision, I've got to weigh it up. And um, if I go down path A, that's not wrong. And if I go down path B, that's not wrong. But actually, one might be wiser than the other. Now we're going to be studying the book of Proverbs, um, God willing, in the, in the autumn. And Proverbs is all about making wise decisions. And very often we're faced with a with a with a a choice between right and wrong, but sometimes we're faced with a choice with what's the wisest thing to do. And I think that's where as Christians, we're very often good at judging one another and disagreeing with one another. And, and kind of um, that, that's where we fall out. You know, I don't think I would have done it that way. Well, if it's a moral decision, it's pretty clear. If it's a wisdom decision, I may not have done it that way, but if you've chosen to do something different from me, well, that's where we have to agree to differ and 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 that's that's what happens within church life so when a church comes together and they decide certain things um is this right or is this wrong then then very often um the decisions are not moral decisions they're, they're wisdom decisions so should we as a church 
do this at this particular time in our life and and we, we talk about it and we debate it what we do at Whitcomb is we, we try and give plenty of opportunity to think and debate and and bat it around and then normally as, as elders we'll give a lead and we'll say this we think is the right way and then we may have a vote and we vote on it and sometimes the vote is unanimous sometimes you'll get a kind of a I don't know a, an 80 20 split or a 90 10 split does that mean that the people who are voting for the for the 20 or the the 10 are wrong well no it doesn't mean that at all what it means is we've talked about it we, we we've thought about it we've prayed about it we're making a decision and and it's a wisdom decision and and then having made that decision and, and gone with the 80 percent we move on and we don't criticize one another we, we kind of say well yeah we are we're united because unity is very important so i want to bring these things together now we've talked about we must hold to truth and we must love we've talked about uh, how we distinguish primary gospel issues from secondary distinctive issues from tertiary issues that uh, we, we can uh, have debate and disagreement over without uh, problems and we've talked about moral decisions and wisdom decisions so how does all of this come together to help us to disagree well to help us to treat people well who we disagree with yeah um just just bring you to some verses that i gave an exposition of in, in in the sunday morning a few weeks ago which is in philippians chapter chapter two um just just read a few verses to you if there's any encouragement from being united with christ this is philippians two verses one onwards um uh, any comfort in his love any common sharing in the spirit if there's any tenderness and compassion make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love being one in spirit and mind do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit rather in humility value others above yourselves now verse two sounds as if paul is saying be absolutely completely all on the same page uh, so that every decision is exactly the same i don't think he's saying that i think he's saying when it comes to secondary issues where it's okay to disagree those tertiary issues or those wisdom issues then love one another and make sure that you don't work out a selfish ambition or vain conceit um, be humble and and right the way through the new testament paul is calling people to be humble um, he talks in romans and corinthians about divisions within the churches there some people have one view and he talks about them as strong in faith and others have a second view and they're kind of slightly weaker in faith and he says love one another respect one another you're not in a battle you're, you're in a family and families are allowed to disagree but you're a, if you do it you must disagree in an agreeable way and when it comes to those secondary issues or those tertiary issues or those issues where there are differences of opinion we have to be humble we have to prefer one another in love sometimes we have to give way sometimes we have to let the other person have their way uh, it's not point scoring it's not winning a battle it's not you know i'm gonna have my way no matter what it's 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 humbly preferring one another in love what about when it's a primary issue what about when it's an issue of the gospel well there as we said earlier paul takes the gloves off um when it's an unbeliever that we're disagreeing with well well we have to be gentle and kind when it's a believer again we show the love of christ and, and you know we want to restore people and we want to help them but sometimes the the health of the church is so important that we have to be decisive and we have to be clear so you read galatians 1 and 2 for example and paul says these false teachers have nothing to do with them don't tolerate them 
And Jesus said, do not tolerate false teachers. You don't tolerate false teachers, neither do I. Um, there in, in, um, in Revelation chapter 2, I think it's around verse 6. So, so why should we not tolerate false teachers? Because their teaching is destructive. It's like a cancer that, that if it's not treated, will, will kill the body. Um, we were thinking last week, weren't we, about Philippians chapter 3, where Paul talks, them, talks to them as dogs. You know, don't have anything to do with these dogs, which, which is very derogatory. I mean, about the worst thing you can say. What Paul's doing there is saying, look, I'm so concerned for the health of the church. Some things you really, truly got to fight for. And, and, and even if it appears as if you're impolite, well, you've got to be impolite for the sake of the gospel. So on tertiary matters, matters that are unimportant or wisdom calls, then you're gentle and you're gracious and you're kind and you're compassionate and you're humble. And if necessary, you give way and you agree to disagree agreeably. When it comes to primary issues, gospel issues, moral issues, then, then you know, you've got to be clear, clear cut and you've got to fight for the gospel. Even then, you do it in a gentle way and uh, you do it in a way which is, which is kind. You don't want to hurt anybody. But in the end, you know, you are fighting to defend the gospel and defend the church and defend the truth and defend the honour of Christ. So in those cases, you've just got to be very straightforward. And, and I, I think in my observation, one of the things that Christians actually get wrong is that they fight for secondary issues or tertiary issues, not for primary issues. In all my time in ministry, um, I, I've been in, asked to, to go in as a bit of a troubleshooter in a whole variety of church situations um, and people have presented, oh, this is a real issue in our church and it split the church. I don't think I have ever been called into a situation where a church had split over a primary issue. In almost every situation, they've split over an issue which is a wisdom call or which is a tertiary issue that they've turned into a primary issue. And so we just have to be very, very careful about the way in which we, we, we treat one another and the way in which we understand what the Bible teaches. Thanks, Paul. Let's pray as a congregation that we approach each other in humility and in love as we uh, deal with perhaps the, uh, the secondary and tertiary um, issues that we, we may have within our congregation. I'm sure there are many differences and many differences with other Christians from different denominations and across the world, but... Um, yeah, approaching each other with humility and love and and in those infrequent occasions where it is a primary issue let's stand on the truth um truth of christ thanks for joining us today paul great pleasure look forward to the next time i don't know what's coming next but uh we'll see we will see and do, you. do do sign up for the um the trinity um it'll be under an hour um the only reason you need to sign up is that if you sign up then we can send the material and it's pretty vital to have the material in front of you while I'm doing, doing the teaching. Um, I'll do some teaching and then there'll be an opportunity for questions at the end. So, um, so that's the way we're looking at that. And then that's the Trinity Seminar, 12th of August at three o'clock in the afternoon. We hope to see you on Zoom then. Bye-bye. Okay.